is the Under Centre Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Centre Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Marr, and I'm joined, of course, by my two trusty co-hosts, Fionn Fionn Malloy and Jake Woolhead. We are looking ahead to tonight's Thursday night football game, the Green Bay Packers travelling to Arizona to take on the 7-0 Cardinals. Uh, Guys, how are you doing today? And I guess you've got to be looking forward to the game. Yeah, another one of these exciting Thursday night games. We don't have too many of them, but we've had a couple this season so far, so I am looking forward to this one. Yeah, the billing looks good. I just hope the game lives up to the to the kind of the standings that we're expecting of it. But all points to it should be a good game. Definitely. And uh, joining us here for the first part of today's show, we're delighted to be joined by Darren Urban, who covers the Arizona Cardinals. Darren, it's so great to have you on. Uh, how are you? I'm doing good. I appreciate you guys inviting me on. It's no problem at all. It's no problem at all. So the Cardinals are 7-0 after their 31-5 win over the Texans at the weekend. Life is pretty sweet if you're a Cardinals fan at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody could really complain if you're following the Cardinals at this point. Uh, they were obviously disappointed to not make the playoffs last year. Uh, the hope this year was that they could make the playoffs, and obviously – the way they've started has completely changed the complexion of possibly what they could do this year. I mean, they're, they're definitely a contender when it's all said and done. We'll have to see. There's a lot of, a lot of games left. And, and of course in this league, health tends to be uh, the biggest determining factor in terms of who's there at the end. But as of right now, the Cardinals sure, certainly can't complain. Darren, looking really quickly at, at what's gone on so far this season, obviously you mentioned they were a little bit disappointed not to make the playoffs last year got off to a really hot start this year. They obviously added J.J. Watt was the big name they added, but I have to say I'm a, I'm a Washington fan, so I don't really get to see a lot of the Arizona news, and it, it kind of took me by surprise. Yes, they're an, a very good team, but they've been playing excellently. What have you put that down to so far this season? Well, I mean, there, there's a couple things to it. I mean, one, and you can't go any further really with any team without talking about quarterback play first. And while Kyler Murray has been very good in his first two years, uh, there was a hope he was going to kind of ramp it up and take it up another level in year three. And he has clearly done that. He is playing the best football of his career. Uh, He isn't running nearly as much as he was in the past, especially these last few weeks. And yet he's become the pocket passer that he promised he was going to be when he first showed up in the league. Um, It helps that he has more weapons this year than he has had in the past, even before the Zach Ertz uh, trade. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins obviously is very good. Christian Kirk is playing in the slot now where he's more comfortable. They added AJ Green, who some people wondered what he had left. Well, he's got a a decent amount left, especially in this offense. And then they drafted Rondale Moore, who uh, has been really good in terms of not only doing some of the things that they weren't able to do before, but adding an element for pre-snap and on-the-snap movement that wasn't maybe here in the offense previously with Cliff Kingsbury. So you add all that in with a a solid running game with James Conner and Chase Edmonds. And I mean, it's just worked really well. And I haven't even talked about the defense, which is the top scoring defense in the league and is playing excellent all the way around beyond JJ Watt, beyond Chandler Jones has missed the last two games. There's, there, there really doesn't feel like any weak spots and, and the places that were supposed to be weak spots like cornerback haven't been. So uh, again, seven games in, we got a long way to go, but uh, they couldn't have asked for a, a better start than this one. 
Yeah, and, and Fionn, as we mentioned, they've had a, a really good start to the year. At this point last year, they had they had a really good start too. They were 5-2 and two now at this stage, and they were about to go into their bye. But coming back from the bye, that's when sort of the, the wheels sort of fell off the cart a little bit, going 3-6 and six to end the year, like you said, to, to miss out on the playoffs. What do you feel has been different this year to, to make uh, like the Cardinal team and the fans as well believe that this year is going to be different? Well, they, they started with, with some of the things that they did in the offseason in terms of adding players. It wasn't just the idea of adding talent, which obviously is what you're trying to do, but they were trying to add some leadership. That's why they wanted J.J. Watt. That's why they traded for Rodney Hudson. They needed an upgraded center which Rodney Hudson is one of the better centers in the league, but it gives you a, a leadership in the locker room that maybe you didn't have uh, at that position. Um, you know, they added Green, who, who's been around for a long time. And when you add that in with the fact that the guys that have been here, especially the quarterback, uh, kind of figured out last year, man, we, we handled that poorly. We realized we, we kind of got ahead of ourselves. We thought we were good. And uh, when, when things started falling apart, we weren't mentally in the place that we needed to be to kind of head that off. And uh, they've done a, a great job with that this year. I know they haven't faced any loss adversity, but obviously they lost their coach for a week. Uh, they, they lost Chandler Jones for two games. They've had some moments there. You know, Rodney Hudson's been hurt, and yet they've been, been able to overcome. And, you know, it starts with the whole, well, we're only going to look one game at a time. And, Every single player and every single team says that all the time, even the bad ones, but they seem to have really embraced it and actually are pulling it off. So uh, I'm not worried about them mentally falling apart. Now, to me, it's a question of, you know, playing a good team on, on a, any given Sunday, you could lose that game or again, injuries could come up and bite you. But, but I, I like where this team is mentally. And I think that's been a huge difference. Darren, I just wanted to ask, you mentioned there earlier that they added a lot of talent and obviously one of the most recent acquisitions was Zach Ertz. I'm not quite sure what Dr. Cliff Frankenstein has done to revive the corpse of Zach Ertz, but he looks fantastic. And I think he came out with a quote there recently that uh, he's never seen so much green on a field because there's so many other playmakers on the team. It just seems so crazy how he just went from kind of almost looked like he was nearly finished his career almost to a revival now. Um, do, like, do you think it's due to the play call and all the talent, the quarterback obviously is excellent. So, you, you know, I, I think, first of all, it's only been one game for Zachary. So let, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, but I also think that, you know, AJ Green was talking about a couple of weeks ago when he was uh, speaking about himself or JJ Watt uh, moving on to a different team after a long time. I mean, you can get stale in a place and, people can look at you a little bit differently after a while. If you're not performing, I mean, if you were a super high all pro and you're not quite doing that anymore, uh, you, you might be under a harsher spotlight in the team that you're on rather than a, a team you might go to where you still look like a really good player and they don't know, or they know that you are all pro or whatever, but they don't know, they don't hold you to that standard necessarily because they didn't see you doing that all the time. And, and I think with Zach Ertz, I mean, there was a lot of things that went into it in Philadelphia. They wanted to get younger at tight end. They drafted a tight end. Uh, that's a team in flux right now, uh, trying to go through a rebuild. And uh, I don't know how much of it is Zach Ertz not being that player anymore and how much of it is, you know, I, I think it was just time for him to get a fresh start. You know, is he in his prime? No, just like J.J. Watt's not, just like A.J. Green's not. But 
that doesn't mean they can't be very good players. And, and what in the offense that they have here with the other weapons, um, you're not expecting them to get eight to 10 catches a game for 100 yards and two touchdowns. You don't need that from Zach Ertz. If he gives you four to six catches, 50 to 80 yards and a touchdown here and there, that's going to do plenty for this offense. And, and that's a lower bar to hit. And yet it's super important for this team. It's hard to look yeah. good on that Eagles team. Me and Jake know from watching them over the seasons. <laughs> no one really looks good on that Eagles team over the last two, three years. That's true. <laughs> I, and I think with, with the Zach Ertz uh, acquisition, it sort of is a, it's definitely that the Cardinals find themselves in that position in the, in the win now position, because I guess, you know, many people say the best time to win a Super Bowl is when you're, QB is on his rookie contract because you can add those more expensive pieces around him to make obviously the the team better and with the NFC sort of being you know sort of maybe taking a step back obviously you know Tampa is still a really good side the Packers are a, a good side as well amongst the other teams of course the Rams in the same division are just there you know we all have seen how good they are this year but it's probably not to the level it has been the last couple of years. So there seems to be a big opportunity for someone, whether that be the Cardinals, to sort of take a stranglehold on it and definitely um, make it to uh, to the, the big game later this year. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, you know, I, I don't think the Packers are playing at the level that they were they will eventually get to because good teams like that with veteran quarterbacks tend to figure out later in the season a lot of times – that's when we got to get on the roll. And that's what the, the Cardinals need to make sure they do is that they're playing good football at the end of December, not necessarily just now. But uh, you still got the Buccaneers, which, I mean, that's a good team. And the Cowboys are pretty good this year. You mentioned the Rams, the Packers. The, t- the NFC is very top-heavy. Uh, getting that, that buy and some home field advantage would be gigantic. But, again, at this point, as, we, you know, as we're talking right now, the Cardinals are undefeated, and yet they only have a one-game lead on all those teams we're talking about. I mean, all those teams are one-loss teams, so things can change really quick. I mean, the Cardinals could lose three games this season and still be a third seed, maybe. So, you know, I, I think we got to kind of see how it plays out. I, I would say right now, again, health is always the baseline uh, in terms of, of any kind of prediction. But I, to me right now, the Cardinals have as good a chance as any to, to go far in the playoffs. Now, again – whether they, I mean, I, I was covering this team in 2008 season um, when Chris Collinsworth called them the worst playoff team ever after they got slammed by New England near the end of the season, and they got hot and they and they had some breaks. Not only did they get hot, but uh, the Eagles ended up upsetting the Giants, the number one seed in the divisional round, so that they got an NFC Championship game at home, and the Cardinals found themselves in the Super Bowl with a nine-win team. So, you know, things things can get really out of sorts in the playoffs. You don't know what's going to happen. But like I said, I think this team has got a real good chance as constructed to go far. Yeah, and, and sort of I, I, I see certain similarities with this team and sort of maybe the maybe the, it's the 2016 team. I think it was the one that was fo- uh, where the All or Nothing documentary was focused 2015. on. 2015. 2015. Yeah. And they, they went in with a, a lot of expectation and, you know, the the had a good year the previous year and they wanted to take right. that next step forward. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you see the sort of similarities yourself? And, and, and you know, 
I guess it, it is the we did mention how the NFC was good, but like I, it is something that we can see that the the Cardinals could sort of make that step again or a similar step to what they would hope they hoped back in 2015. Well, it, it's funny, you know, you look back uh, at that run, the 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016 Cardinals, where Bruce Arians had them, and and he came in in 2013, they were terrible the year before, and they missed the playoffs, but they won 10 games. The next year, a lot of people think it was the 2014 team that might have been the best team the Cardinals had, but that's the year Carson Palmer blew out his ACL again. Uh, so you got to 2015, and again, that, that's a great example of, of kind of what I'm talking about, and maybe I'm a little gun-shy because of it. I mean, 2015, for most of the year, the, the Panthers were unbelievable that year, and Cam Newton had one of the greatest years I've ever seen from a quarterback all the way around. Uh, so maybe the Panthers were always going to get to the Super Bowl that year, but I felt like the Cardinals were the best all-around team for most of that season. And then we got to week 15. Uh, they blew out the Eagles in Philadelphia, but Tyron Matthew blows out his knee at the end of the game. And in that game, Carson Palmer messed up his finger. And while he only missed like one snap officially, uh, he was not the same quarterback after that. And so those are the kinds of things that I'm talking about when I'm saying, you know, things can be going well, but can put it sideways. I mean, they, they barely won their playoff game against the Packers. They never had a chance against the Panthers uh, in that really bad NFC championship game. And you, you don't want that to happen. Uh, so again, is it the same kind of thing? It is from the standpoint of, I, I think this team is talented enough to go that far, uh, but there's so many different variables that, that play into all this stuff. I, I just, I'm not one to like, I can't go all the way there in my head yet because, again, we're not even halfway through the season. Darren, I just quickly wanted to ask you about um, one player, Byron Murphy. You mentioned that at one point we thought the cornerbacks were going to be a weak spot on this team, but he seemingly seems to be like a, a bright spot. And I think at the moment he's three interceptions and he's tied second for interceptions in the league. And obviously coming into this game, we just realized that um, – Devontae Adams is now going to be missing the game. So do you think that's going to, well, it's obviously going to help the Cardinals. Do you think it's going to help Byron Murphy? Because maybe he'll draw up a, a matchup with number two right receiver, maybe Alan Lazard or something. You know, I don't know how they're going to play it. I, I will say this. I think Byron Murphy, uh, especially early on, and, and it's been a little, you've noticed him a little less lately. And I don't know if teams are starting to be more careful about throwing his way. I mean, I thought Byron Murphy was playing as well as any cornerback in the league. Uh, the early part of the season and he's still playing very well and he's absolutely blossomed into the guy that they were hoping he would be and that cornerback group as a whole with Byron Murphy and Robert Alford who essentially hadn't played since 2017 uh, well he was banged up a lot of 2018 even though he played a lot but he hadn't played the last two seasons he's played solid football and the rookie Marco Wilson has been way better than they thought he would be for a fourth round pick. And, and all of a sudden you've got these guys performing in such a way that uh cornerback hasn't been what they were worried about. So what, what, with what they might do with Murphy against the Packers, I, I would doubt he's necessarily going to follow anybody around. I don't know if he would have followed anybody around, even if Adams had been on the field, that's not really the kind of defense they play. Uh, but, but clearly not having Adams on the field changes uh, at least probably your confidence level. I mean, if you take out one of the best receivers in the game, that makes a difference. Uh, sticking with the defense, and you were talking about guys who have taken a step up in the cornerback room. Another guy who's taken a step up, I feel, over the course of the this year compared to last year is Isaiah Simmons. He really seems to have 
fit into his role. He's nearly got his to- his total tackles from last season already, and we're not even halfway through this season yet. So how has he been fitting in? And he obviously got drafted, and he famously said he doesn't play any specific position, right? He, ju- he just plays defense. How have you felt that the Cardinals have utilized him this season that has allowed him to get his feet underneath him and really go play football? Well, I mean, the, the problem with Isaiah Simmons was last year he came in as a rookie, and it was 2020, and they didn't get any time on the field until – uh, training camp and they didn't get any actual game experience until the games counted in the regular season. And that, that's just a killer for a rookie, in my opinion. And especially for somebody who's trying to learn the NFL game, go full-time at a position that he didn't play a ton at uh, in college at inside linebacker. And, you know, they, they still use him in different spots. He's, he's played slot defense a couple times. He's been outside linebacker a couple times, rushed the passer but he's majority inside linebacker. And I think he's done a great job. And I think he really put his mind to taking that step forward after flashing a little bit down the stretch last year. Uh, His speed is incredible and he gives them a sideline to sideline linebacker that they haven't had since Daryl Washington. Um, And he wants to be physical. He knows a a lot of people wonder at his size, weight, not size, but weight. Uh, whether he can be that guy and he, he wants to prove himself and he has laid the lumber a few times. And I, I just think he's turning into exactly what they were hoping he would be. He's one of the team leaders, uh, incredibly thoughtful guy. When you talk to him, he gets it. Uh, he understands, uh, especially for a younger kid, what they have in front of him, and whether that's his own thought process or buy-in from veterans. Uh, he understands the whole one game at a time thing. And I, I just, I feel like, He's the kind of guy that you absolutely can build around as you go forward. Yeah, and, and looking ahead then to the game tonight, I know we're a little short of time, so I will ask this quickly. Um, the Packers are 6-1. They're heading into this game, of course, as was previously mentioned. They have a bit of a COVID breakout at the moment. Their defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, is going to be missing. Devontae Adams is on the COVID reserve list, as, uh, as we know at the moment. There could be more ahead of the game and um, but as we are talking here there is only the one name with all all of the uncertainty in in the Packers side do you think that changes the game plan at all for uh, the Cardinals heading into this game with potentially some uh, really big names missing out no and and here's why I would say that because the Cardinals just went through their own little outbreak and uh, didn't have a head coach or an offensive uh, a quarterback's coach uh, in Cleveland. They were missing their best pass rusher. Uh, they were missing two key defensive linemen. And yet they went to Cleveland and basically dismantled the Browns. Um, I think they're very aware that every team are loaded with professionals. And as long as Aaron Rodgers is playing, that's a super dangerous team. Um, and their defense is playing fairly good football. I'm dying to know how the Cardinals offense does against this Packers defense. Uh, I'm not 100% sure how good this Packers defense is, and they're going to get tested. Um, But I I don't think that it changes the mindset at all. I don't think it should because uh, that's when you get into trouble. And I think, again, with the Cardinals going through what they just went through, I I don't think they're going to fall into that trap. Darren, just before we let you go, I want to ask you what? Give us a score prediction for Thursday night so we can bet some money on it and lose. <laughs> uh, you know what? I appreciate the offer. I tend to stay away from predicting <laughs> scores, uh, partly because I do not ever want to be the person that somebody says, 
well, he thought this was going to happen and I put some money on it. So I'm going to politely sidestep that. I will say this, guys. I, I do think the Cardinals are the better team. Uh, so barring something crazy uh, in the pregame or whatever, you never know with COVID anymore. Um, I do think that the Cardinals at home uh, are going to be good enough to win this game. I could be wrong, but I, I do think they're going to end up 8-0 for the first time in organizational history, which dates back to 1898 so it's a, it would be a pretty impressive feat excellent stuff listen darren thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us today really hope you enjoy uh the game uh thursday night um and hopefully uh we can have you on again soon thanks for inviting me guys no, thanks darren. No Cheers. we are going to take a quick break but when we come back we are going to be speaking about the Packers side of tonight's game and welcome back to the second part of our Thursday night football preview. Of course, the Green Bay Packers traveling to Arizona to take on the Cardinals at the State Farm Arena. Uh, I have Fionn still with me here. Jake, unfortunately, has had to uh, pop out for the second half of this show. But we are delighted to have Steve Diddy as part of the UK Packers fan group onwards to talk about the Packers side of tonight's game. Steve, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm good. Just what my mom named me, you know, at Steedy NFL. Very, <laughs> very forward thing. And when people introduce me Steedy NFL, I'm like, mm. <laughs> but that's what it says on my screen. So it's absolutely fine. No relation to PDD. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm a bit more shaky, lads, because we're coming up into a games week now where, the, you know, we're six wins on the trot and then we're coming up against the Cardinals. Devontae Adams has COVID. Alan Lazard maybe has COVID. He's not vaccinated, so he's out. So, yeah, thanks for having me on at this Games Week, guys. Mm. <laughs> Appreciate it. Well, it's... the only thing I could say is at least you had a nice tune-up game against my Washington football team who didn't oh, put up practice. that much of a strong resistance. So, at least you can feel good rolling into a bit of proper competition now this weekend. Yeah, our DVOA after going up against you guys is in the basement at this stage. I mean, it was just handy from a baby stuff. We were just saying in pre-production, um, I don't know, are your listeners privy to why you became a Washington fan and why you continue to be a Washington fan? Your your team doesn't even have a name. I mean, it's it's a pretty bad yeah. day, you know. Uh, I'm sure we we'll get into that one day, but yeah, it's it's been a roller coaster of full of mostly downhill sections so far. Oh, it's all so. downhill sections. Yeah, you're, so you're, you're there at the core. <laughs> Look, at least the franchise has won a Super Bowl at some point. I might not have ever seen it, but you could be worse. You could be on one of those teams that have never even made it to the Super Bowl. So uh, yeah, I ta- I'll take what I have at the moment. A couple of them in the <laughs> NFC North, it's fine. You know, it's okay. <laughs> oh, no. But it's definitely not about, it's definitely not the Packers who we're going to be speaking about uh, here for this one. So yeah, like you like you mentioned there at the start, it's a bit of a, a strange uh, preparation for the for the Packers. Devontae Adams out, hmm. uh, Alan Lazard out, Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator, won't be there either. Um, you know, there's still time before the game starts that this could get a little worse. What are you hearing anything different in terms of? Could that be the end of sort of people going on the COVID list before tomorrow's game? Or is there still a bit of time before it for someone else to drop out? 
bad things can happen still you know what i mean uh, look it's the injury reports out and they don't have to report on people with covid because it's seen as sort of a medical condition uh but so that's why you won't see Devontae adams on there but he's definitely not playing alan lazard is definitely out i see this stuff whizzing around the internet saying oh maybe he'll be back because he's not vaccinated he has to sit out for five days at least so he's definitely gone as you said joe barry's out and he's a guy who likes to be on the sideline as well we had mike petten before who liked to be up in the box calling stuff down like uh sort of a defensive god uh whereas that's not going to be the case now so look it's the thing is it's funny right so i've just recorded my preview show for uk packers the uk packers podcast shameless plug uh so i've done that and it's amazing as part of my prep when i go up uh, usually people have like what you guys have you have someone come on to discuss it who's sort of you know knows the team inside now breeds this stuff i like to just delve myself into the opposition's podcast and lads i'm telling you what uh the the cardinals are really really trying to put themselves off as the underdogs which is hilarious because they're you know they're undefeated yes they squeaked one by the vikings because they won because the vikings missed the field goal and all that kind of stuff which sets up a really intriguing matchup because you have a game where the media at least are trying to set themselves up to be underdogs because you know what they say they go well the reigning MVP is coming to the stadium you know and it's the historic Green Bay Packers and you're kind of thinking yeah we weren't that historic when we had Mike McCarthy's final year it wasn't it wasn't a whole lot historically apart from historically bad when it came to that so yeah it's a weird atmosphere um and you know the COVID thing kind of plays to our strengths in a weird way because we still have the same team that's gone six on the trot because of the Saints game in week one, people are writing us off thinking, oh, they're going to falter at any stage. Um, when really, when you look at it, we're out Devontae Adams, but we're 6-0 and in games without Devontae Adams. Now, I'm careful to say without Devontae Adams, not in spite of Devontae Adams being out <laughs> uh, because he's the best receiver in the NFL. We're without Alan Lazard as well. So what this game does for me in a nutshell is with all of these stuff, because it's all doom and gloom how we started off, right? It's COVID and it's really bad stuff that can happen. The thing is, the Packers are going to be forced now to go to someone other than Devontae Adams, and they've proven in the past that that works. They're going to be without Joe Barry. It's not ideal. They're coming up against a Cardinals team who are flying high. They're undefeated. Um, so the question really is, is what happens if the Packers start to hold up the way people don't expect them to? Because their defense has been decimated all season, lads. We don't have Z Smith. Preston Smith is now out. Jair Alexander's on IOR. You know, we're playing a guy... Um, uh, Douglas in there who's you know has only been in the building a wet week we got Merciless who was in the building for literally 15 minutes he was at the vending machine I think and I said quick quick put the helmet on we need to go out <laughs> so that's you know that's who we're dealing with here and yet he he showed up and um, so the thing is you have a team set up who's gone six on the trot against a team who have got their best record since 1974 and I think that this could be a closer game than people expect we're still the underdogs which is brilliant because we've got nothing to lose this is the one they want to chalk up to an L so I mean, if anyone's willing to stay up tomorrow night at 1.20 a.m. in the morning, I mean, it'll be a good game if you can stay awake. It'll keep you awake, I think, anyway. Steve, is one of those key factors that you mentioned that you're going to have to rely on away from Devontae Adams, is that going to be the running game in general? Of course, uh, guys like Aaron Jones are, are stud mm. running backs, but will we see the offense shift slightly more towards the ground game and maybe even A.J. Dillon get a little bit more involved than he maybe does on a week-to-week basis just to fill in maybe some of that offensive gaps. Yeah, look, um, Aaron Jones tied uh, Christian McCaffrey's record uh, when it came to touchdowns, right? We've Bobby Tanyan at tight end. Uh, he also tied Kelsey for touchdowns by a tight end in a season. We have massively fantastic caliber players here. Um, so the thing is, is and again, because we've Aaron Rodgers, there's this sort of misconception that it's a, it's a, it's a pass-first offense. Since Matt LaFleur got to town, and he's been one of the most winningest coaches now in Green Bay history. And to say that the Lombardi Trophy is named after Vince Lombardi, who is one of the most winningest coaches in Green Bay, that's saying something. 
this is a run first offense and uh, that's where you see the Packers will struggle so when we start getting passed all over Matt LaFleur tends to abandon the run but it's the run and the play action that sets up these highlight throws from Aaron Rodgers so I mean you're dead right it all runs through Aaron Rodgers apparently but it's not really it's Aaron Jones which is why it was amazing that they brought him back and people didn't expect it I do a merch draw here and I didn't even bother going near Aaron Jones stuff because I was thinking he'll be gone anyway and when they brought him back I was unbelievably delighted because he's so important to this offense but because you know, it's look at Coldplay. Can you name the drummer? You know, you always look at Chris Martin, right? And the drummer could be the best drummer in the world, but no one realizes. And I think that's the way it kind of works with the Packers, with Aaron Jones and uh, and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's unbelievable receiver. Some of the stuff he's able to do is incredible. And he's worked on his hands in recent years. A.J. Dillon doesn't get enough plaudits for his hand work. Um, and that's because he never did it in college. So people just assumed he couldn't do it. So the Packers still have a really potent offense. If we get Marquez Valdez-Scantling back as well, he can rip the top off a defense as well. The problem that the Cardinals are going to face, and I'm speaking from an underdog perspective here, the problems the Cardinals are going to have to face is, is that they would have been expected to face Devontae Adams, number one. And if you can kind of handle everybody else, that's grand. But make sure you shut down Devontae Adams because Aaron Rodgers himself comes out and says, this offense runs through Devontae Adams. I will go to him first if he's double, triple covered might still go to him but if he's quadruple covered I might go to somebody else and that's a known fact and now the Cardinals have to go and face up with the trade of AJ Dillon with the trade of Aaron trade of Aaron Jones uh, they have most of their success in, in fact of pre-snap motion um, and, and play action and the sort of end arounds so now they can get as creative as they want now that they don't have Devontae Adams and the Cardinals are going to have to deal with that they have the weapons to do it but it's going to be a really interesting game from an offensive standpoint now from the Packers yeah, and you mentioned him briefly there, AJ Dillon, the, the step up that he's made this season, especially to sort of give the green, the Packers that dual running back threat that a lot of NFL teams are leaning towards now um, with mm -hmm. their offenses, especially since the success of the Browns last season and obviously this season too. It, he's, he's one of those classic sort of, you know, bulldozing mm -hmm. running backs where it's almost impossible to take him off his feet to the ground. Yeah, he's huge. I mean, the guy, what do they call him? Uh, what, what, what does they call him now? Something to do with his legs anyway. Um, Legzilla and all this type of stuff. You know, the quad father, uh, quadzilla. You know, they've all these names for him because he's massive. <laughs> the thing is, is look, he got an increased role anyway by default with Jamal Williams going to the line. So he's always going to be in there because you need someone to take the, the heat off Aaron Jones because Aaron Jones is a small guy, uh, can find space, is patient. Uh, when he gets to that second level, he's very evasive. Whereas, as you say, AJ Dillon's that bruising third down back, fourth down back because we all know the statistics now are leaning towards going to it on fourth down. So he's been great. I mean, look, people wrote, wrote him off as just exactly that. Bring him on on third down, bring him on fourth and short, just stick him out there and he's fine. But I think they're realizing now that there's more to his game than that and he does have better hands, which you can't game plan for. Uh, he hasn't really sparked out like he did in college. In college, he used to like carry five guys into the end zone and stuff. He hasn't got a chance, but on the odd flashes that we have seen him get to the next level, he's basically unstoppable once he picks up speed. But if you have a weapon, if you have a battering ram, you don't try race it around Mondello. You ram people's doors down with it. And that's exactly what they've been doing with him so far. Uh, but yeah, expect more from him as the season goes on. He seems fairly durable. And again, people don't have a lot of tape on him because last year he was on that uh, COVID list as well that really knocked him for six. So again, one to watch. But he got minus two fantasy points last week. Thank God I had him on the bench because he had two fumbles. So he needs to clear up that fumbling issue. And that's all I'll say there. Yeah, and, and looking at then the the offense in general heading into the game, and I was looking at a few stats, and 
it's easy to say, obviously, at the red zone is where the game is going to be won and lost. Like everyone knows mm. that. That's that's where it's going to be. But the interesting thing is Green Bay are 23rd on offense in the red zone. The Cardinals are seventh uh, mm. in the red zone on offense. And then on the other side of the ball, um the the defense for the Packers is 30th, and then for the Cardinals, they're 12th in the red zone. So it the the, the Packers have not been great uh, in the red zone this year, and it's going to be something that they're going to have to try and fix quickly for a team like Arizona tonight. Yeah, I mean, the Packers historically struggle when it comes to running quarterbacks, and it's even harder when you can't see him. Kyler Murray is a diminutive dude, uber-talented, and he's one of these Drew Brees kind of characters where it's against all odds for him, you know? So he's going to be an absolute handful. There's kind of a joke that whizzes around Packers Twitter to say that the field when you play the Packers is only 80 yards because once you get within that 20, you're guaranteed a score. So they have to kind of stop you before then. But like from looking at the the Cardinals tape, what it appears to me is, is that it's, you know, their offensive success is predicated on explosive plays from their offense. So if the Packers can limit them somewhat, Rashan Gary, uh, again, is tied fifth and sixth for quarterback hits and pressures. The guy, he's got an unbelievable motor. He never gives up. Um, so it's going to be very hard to contain the weapons that they have for sure. And our red zone defense stinks. Um, now, we sort of made amends for that because we got four stops in a row. I think there was actually, I think there was six trips into the, the goal zone, as we call it, not when the opposition are in there, of course. And I think they came away with three points. Now, some of that was calamitous stuff as you know, like Heineke giving himself up uh, before he gets into the end zone with no real person close to him. You know, we don't expect that to happen against a well-oiled machine like the Cardinals. But yeah, look, it's going to be a case of, I think, uh, shock and awe. It's the Packers are going to have to try go up early to try and make the Cardinals somewhat one-dimensional, which is very hard to do when you have the players that they have. But I just Mm -hmm. think, I wonder what the psychological impact would be on a Cardinals team who are at home. uh, The Packers have a short week. Uh, we don't have a defensive coordinator on the field. We don't have our top wide receiver. We're decimated still on defense and holding out. Our offensive line can be leaky at the best of times, which takes away our tight ends because they have to chip block on the line. You know, it, it's all set up for the Cardinals to go wild. And if they mm-hmm. don't do that early on, can they compose themselves, come back into it? Or do they look with shock and go, we don't even know how this is happening? So I think the, the key to success for the Packers in this game is a fast start. Uh, because I don't think the Cardinals have had that. Now, if you look at their game last week against the Texans, it was punt, punt, safety is how they started it out. But they had the veterans there to kind of pick themselves up and get on with it. But we're talking about against the Texans here, whereas if you give that kind of uh, space to an Aaron Rodgers-led offense, even though it does appear to be banged up, they might surprise them with some shock and awe stuff. So that's the key to the game. I think if they let the Cardinals get away, uh, too far and we have to abandon the run which is not uh, you know it's not advantageous when you don't have Devonte adams or alan lazard out there it's going to be a nightmare um so yeah we'll be up against it then so that's the only key to success for me is a very fast start from the packers and the defense need to swarm well, i haven't seen that defense up close and personal last week i have to say haven't heard obviously coming in how this this packers defense is banged up they're not playing well this season i felt they did turn around the corner i i agree with you i think the red zone particularly forcing stops against that Washington team who in previous years have struggled to score this year, not so much and really Mm. looked pretty useless, pretty inept at times. Now, the only thing that we don't have that I think the Cardinals do have, or one of the things we didn't test you guys on was that kind of, we didn't have our starting tight end or any really slot uh, wide receiver and Rashad Douglas or Rasul Douglas 
yeah. the new guy you got at corner, I felt he played really well. I'm just wondering, mm. is there a guy on that roster you feel like is a slot cover guy? Because Arizona's going to have probably Kirk in at slot, and he's going to be probably a little step up than anything across the middle Washington Trojans. So I'm just interested to see, do you think there's a guy on that defensive roster at the moment, given all the illnesses and the and the injuries that they have at the moment, who you feel can do at least an, an adequate job at shutting down that third wide receiver for the for the Cardinals? Yeah, it's a hard one because we've got a lot of small-bodied guys. You know, we have Stokes in there who is a bit sort of naive and green at this stage with him being a rookie. He can flash. Uh, Channon Sullivan again came away with a pick, so you know he can do the business and he has he can run very hot or cold. Uh, the sort of the straight answer. Look, I mean the defense are decimated up front. We, you know our pass rushers when we we're missing Preston Smith, we're missing Zadarius Smith. So if you don't get that pressure on, and Heineke credit to him last week, he could run around a fair bit and get the ball out. Um, and I think that really put us under pressure. And um, like we're going to have that times a hundred now when we come up against Kyler Murray. So I don't know if we have the weaponry there to do it, especially when your defensive coordinator isn't there to sort of call in the plays and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, they're depending on their actual cornerbacks coach, in fact, to, to do that type of business. Um, I don't know. As you said, I don't know if we've been properly tested in that area uh, for most of the season. We've came up against some some good offenses, uh, but not great, really. And then on the opposite side, on you know, we've come up against defenses that have been absolutely criminal. Um, very good, uh, strong defensive fronts. Sure, you have four first-rounders in Washington, you mm-hmm. know, so that's where it's really been at. So I don't know. The jury's out. I mean, we're just sort of surprised, to be honest, that our O-line is held up as good as it has, even though it has been leaky at times. And also on defense, that we can be missing an all-pro corner and Jair Alexander, who would be that slot guy. He'd be the guy who'd sort of roam the middle and, you know, he doesn't give up a whole lot. Kevin King as well. They tried to play him in the slot, but then he got injured. So we're really playing with second and third stringers here. So when you put them up against the starters, it's just about putting out fires on the field, I think, at this stage. But yeah, look, it's a miracle that we've won six on the trot. And the fact that we're coming up against a really good outfit now means that, like I was saying, I mean, it's it's going to take a really strong offensive performance out the gate in order to get some distance here to try hold on till the end. The one thing I will say before before Dara moves on is uh, I really struck me the communication seems to be very well on that defense. So if they mm-hmm. are going to beat you, it's probably going to be a skills matchup than a, a major error problem. And I think anytime you can bring it down to that, having speaking from experience where Washington have, as you described, uh, almost all the talent you could want on defense, mm-hmm. but no one seems to be able to tell each other where to go and you just get big blown out plays over the top constantly. So I feel like if you just can hold it down to just man on man, you mm-hmm. definitely have a chance, as you mentioned, with your offense to kind of stay in this game as it, as it progresses. Yeah, like, I mean, we've individual beasts. Kenny Clark is ridiculous. Um, Kingsley Kiki is getting home. Uh, you know, Lowry's doing a job. Uh, Devondre Campbell really is where it comes down to for us. Like, we've never had a good inside linebacker for I don't know how long. And he came to town. He was signed off the street, surprisingly. So he'd be one to kind of shore up the run um, and to maybe, you know, like, he's, he's brilliant in coverage. Uh, so he's just been an absolute revelation. So he's the key to success. If you see him going down after twisting an ankle or a face, uh, well, then that's going to be a problem for us. But, yeah, communication is good. And because even though we've Joe Barry and people wrote him off at the start of the season saying, look at the teams he's been on. He's been on terrible teams. They've, like, last-ranked defense and stuff like that. It seems to be panning out for him. Not in the, not in the red zone, mind you, but it's panning out everywhere else. Um, and, again, that's because he likes to disguise stuff. But it's not too far away from Mike Pettin's defense that he played. So. So there's an awful lot of carryover, which has actually, you know, served us the good stead in our defense this year. Let's see, I, I, it'd be remiss of me 
to have you on this show and not talk about Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, after, look, you've been through uh, for the last number of years, but after turbulent offseason where I think this was probably the closest he's ever gotten to actually getting up and leaving, mm-hmm. um, he, he stayed, um, and the relationship between him and the front office seems to have gotten better, whatever differences have been going on, seems to have been cleared at least for the time being. Are we actually looking at the possibility of him staying past this year? Um, I don't know. Look, I mean, before when the offseason was kicking around, first off, he could retire or come back. That was the only two options he ever had. Um, so I think the national media like to drum up these stories that, oh, he, they're going to trade him, whatever. They wouldn't. I mean, looking at his cap situation, it was basically impossible. We'd have to eat so much cap and we're up against the cap as it is. Um, so they did draft Jordan Love to be his replacement. Um, and again, I, I hate saying this because it seems so far away now, but when they had the initial trouble, let's call it, with Aaron Rodgers, his play, and he talked about it on the Pat McAfee show, his good play is another, or his bad play is another person's like Pro Bowl career, you know, their Pro Bowl sort of um, stats, which is true. But like Aaron Rodgers, I think Mark Murphy said that Ted Thompson called him a complicated fella recently, which set the cat amongst the pigeons as well. Look, he's a genius, right? He's one of the best ever played a game stat-wise. You know, people disagree in his leadership style and who cares? Um, it's usually the same detractors out there who do it. Um, but yeah, look, this all comes down to cap space. And I would, look, look, anyone that you go to after Aaron Rodgers is a, is a downgrade because they're not Aaron Rodgers, right? So it's really unfair on Jordan Love really to be like, oh, he's nowhere near Aaron Rodgers. Nobody is near Aaron Rodgers. If you look at Tom Brady's numbers, even with the Super Bowls he has, and you look at just pure numbers stat-wise, you can make some arguments there, right? So like, the thing is, is I would love him to come back People are saying, like you said, that it seems to tall amongst the front office. Um, I just don't know about that, to be honest, because the, the trouble that they've had together, and it's sort of long been the secret around Green Bay, um, is that they'll get on with the season. They all have a lot to lose. Aaron Rodgers wants to put on tape that he's still an MVP. Um, that's why he put the MVP season on last uh, season, because he wanted to prove to them that he was indispensable. He did that, which then meant that he had, well, he thought he had leverage in the offseason, which it turned out that he didn't because he could either retire and pay back a bunch of money, or he could go and just have to show up in Green Bay again. So it seems to have taught in the sense that no one's talking about it anymore. But again, he hit all of that stuff last year as well. They might not be able to afford him. And remember, Devontae Adams is also up for a contract. Um, as well and they didn't get that done either the Packers are something like 20 to 30 million over the cap already so there might be a bit of a rebuild going on now the cap the cap space thing is imaginary when you want it to be if you really need to get stuff done it's amazing what they can do look at uh, Taysom Hill's contract with the Saints they added like 10 voidable years on and all that kind of good stuff so they can do it but the question is is does Aaron come back if Devontae doesn't can they even afford to bring Aaron Rodgers back on his own? The answer from the outset is no. And they definitely can't bring back Devontae Adams as well because he wants top paid money. That's what he's holding out for. And he said that. So, you know, we want them to come back. Maybe he wants to stay there. He always said he wanted to do out his career in Green Bay. But unfortunately, like everything else, it could all just come down to a figure, a salary cap figure. And unfortunately, they might have to just part ways with him. And that's the sad truth of it all, really. Yeah. And and it kind of lends into that, of course, that infamous picture that we saw at the start of the season that they both put on their Instagrams, of course, of Pippen and Jordan imitating the, mm. the last dance image. So, like you're saying, it, it would have to probably be one or the other. You know, it's kind of, 
like you, I don't know if it is an easy choice for you, but if you had to make the choice, would you would you rather Rogers or would you rather have Adams next season? Uh, well, I guess look the the simple non real analytical answer is that a quarterback is your franchise. Um, you guys know that you know Russell Wilson's out. All of a sudden, stuff starts to crumble. Washington haven't arguably had a threat there uh, since RG three, and then he ended up you know pretending he was still a hurdler in the Olympics and ended up getting crushed <laughs> out you know out in the field, unfortunately, uh, because he was really promising. But um, yeah, look, uh, you'd always have to go quarterback, wouldn't you? And I know there was some nonsense going around when there was the McCarthy Aaron Rodgers feud. And there was these national pundits saying, oh, you have to keep the head coach. And you kind of think you don't really you need to keep your quarterback if it's Aaron Rodgers. But Devontae Adams is unbelievable. And he's flown under the radar for some reason in the NFL for a very long time. You talk about what team you guys support. It's the Seahawks, it's Washington, it's the New York teams. And that's because, especially over here in Ireland and the UK, everyone goes to New York on their holidays. The Seahawks were doing well a couple of years ago. Of course, you want to support them because they were absolutely fascinating to watch. Washington was exciting when you'd RG3 in there and that all went to ham and a ham basket. But, you know, the Packers seemingly weren't popular because, you know, they're shoved up there in, in Wisconsin, close to Canada uh, and no one really pays attention. But Devontae Adams, on that note, sort of just flew under the radar for forever and we saw his footwork and Chad Ochocinco was crying on social media saying just how beautiful it all was. You're never going to get another one like Devontae Adams. The question is, is that does Devontae Adams go somewhere else and not have that success? Maybe, but I don't think that's because Devontae Adams isn't the number one wide receiver in the NFL. His footwork is far and above beyond everybody else. He works on his craft. Where What would let him down is if he doesn't have the quarterback who can get him that ball. How many players can throw a ball 50 yards downfield on a back shoulder fade to a wide receiver and put it right where only he can get it? And the answer to that is Aaron Rodgers. And he might not and will not get that with another quarterback. So I have to take Aaron Rodgers, but Devontae Adams, I would weep the day he leaves because he was, uh, he is and will always be a one of a kind. And it's definitely up for the conversation now of the Pro Football Hall of Fame already. Yeah. And, and this is the thing with, with the Adams situation. I guess it, it, it is a double-edged sword that he sort of is risking. You know, quite rightly, he should be paid the, the money that he's demanding for being mm-hmm. the, the best wide receiver. But a team paying him that money means that other money somewhere else has to be taken away, and you're get like you're instantly thinking that he would go to, you would have to go to a team that has a quarterback on their rookie deal. So that sort of shortens the potential landing spots for him. I'm guessing he still wanted to be on a team that would be a contender as well, and that would have no other large contracts there too. So that's shortening mm-hmm. the list even more too. So it like that's the thing. He, he should be getting paid the money rightly. But if he does, there's some sacrifices that are going to have to come yeah. with that. And like you're saying, not the possibility of him not playing with a like generational talent quarterback or even a really, really good quarterback is definitely a, a risk that he may have to take. Yeah, look, Dara, I mean, it's really insightful there. And that's a point that so many people miss, right? Because the same applies for Aaron Rodgers, does that he's going to have to go to a team that has the cap space to take on the fact that he's going to chew up probably one third of the salary cap on his salary alone. I mean, this guy's going to be paying, get paid 30 plus million a year. So on the same token, that's exactly why people are looking at Aaron Rodgers and saying, what are you going to do now? Uh, Because 
he's going on like, well, the media went on like he wasn't given what he needed and that's why he was disgruntled and he's going to leave and that he'd ask for players and they'd tell him where the door was. That's why Tom Brady left New England because Belichick would, you know, treat him like a, a college graduate still and wouldn't respect him for the player he was. However, if you look at the Packers, they've got the back-to-back NFC Championship games. How could he turn around and say he hasn't got the weapons he needed? Now, you could say they've got there because of Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, that's why he's on the roster. That's why he's the highest paid player. you know. And that's why even he said it in that infamous or famous, depending on what angle you want to look at it, that presser when he came back after all the drama. He says that he's not going to play the victim here. He's got paid very well to do his job. So you look at a team that has given Aaron Rodgers from a front office standpoint, which is they truly believe this, and I believe it to a, to a large extent, is that they've given him all the tools he needs to win and they just haven't got over the hump. And now they've won six games on the trot. Their defense is improving week on week. So they're proving that they are doing what they can. They're bringing in Whitney Marcellus. You know, they're bringing in these veteran players, Jalen Smith, which hasn't really worked out yet because he hasn't got playing time. Randall Cobb to satiate Aaron Rodgers' need to bring back somebody to, to play GM and have a space at the table, which he should have. He, you know, he's the best player to ever play the game, in my opinion. So you have to look him in the face and go, you can leave, Aaron. Do you destroy somewhat of your legacy? And this was a guy, he's the most careful quarterback with the ball. And the reason is, is because he was obsessed for a very long time and still is arguably with his stats. So here's a guy who's obsessed with his stats. He's obsessed with quarterback rating. He's obsessed with his legacy and he's very cerebral. Does he go off to a team, like you said, who only have young rookie wide receivers? If he used to get wide receivers who were rookies in Green Bay, he wouldn't throw with them because he didn't trust them because he cared about the football. Great. He cared about his stats. Brilliant. So it's like you said, it's a catch-22. Does he go off to a new team now? And that's the only people he can throw to because they can't afford anybody else because they're in a rebuild phase. Now, you can look at teams like Tampa Bay and fantasize over Gronkowski and the talent that they have there and Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown was up for a number of different lawsuits and cases and harassment lawsuits. And that was a grisly story. So we can't sugarcoat that there to say he's the second coming of whatever and he's squeaky clean. He's not. They took a risk getting him. Gronk had retired. And he had a rapport with Brady. Are you going to get the same sort of thing on a different team with Aaron Rodgers? Probably not. Look at the Chiefs. They paid Patrick Mahomes, half a billion dollar man. They got Tyreek Hill, uh, Kelsey, uh, you know, Hunt. Name all the players that they have. Defense. Yeah, who, who's available? Yeah, we'll, Dominic and Sue. Yeah, we'll get him. They got everybody. Now look where they're at. You know, Patrick Mahomes got his neck bent back on his arse in that game that just went the weekend. I mean, I don't know how the guy still had his head screwed on. Um, and then their defense can't stop anything. And now they're looking at, I see these hot takes out there that they're not going to make the playoffs. There's a price you pay for selling all out and getting a Madden-style roster. As you know, being a Seahawks fan, the Legion of Boom is the Legion of Doom is the Legion of crap now because they just can't get it done. And that's that's just the sorry part of it. So not only did a franchise need to decide where do they want to go all in, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams need to decide where do they want to go to next? And will it, will, is the grass always greener on the other side? Or is the best chance that they have of winning a Super Bowl now? And I'll end with this as I know I talk too much, but I'm Irish, so you lads are used to it, right? <laughs> you look at Whitney Marcellus and you look at Preston Smith. These are two players that I can pick off the top of my head. For the Packers roster, that took a massive pay cut. Whitney Marcellus, not so much, but Preston Smith took a pay cut in the, in the region of about $8 million. And he's still quite young. I think he's 31 or 32. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Actually, you should know from being in Washington, I guess, springing the, springing the birthdays on you here. Um, so the thing is, is he took an 8 million pay cut to come back. Um, he was made drop into coverage, which completely turned his numbers to mulch, right? Um, and it wasn't his fault, really, right? 
he took a massive pay cut. Whitney Marcellus could have went to Kansas City. He could have went to Tennessee. He named all. He could have went to I think the Cowboys as well. He went to Green Bay because he said all he cares about at his age is trying to get a ring. He doesn't really care about the money anymore. These guys are multimillionaires a hundred times over. Aaron Rodgers has generational wealth. That guy is a great, 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 great grandkids will never see a poor day as long as their great, great, great grandfather doesn't go and, you know, get on the boozer too much, right? So, I mean, he doesn't need the money. So now that these lads are looking at that, so that gets more prevalent for these guys who are going into their third, fourth, fifth contracts now. Is it all about what the team can give me and the amount of money I can get? Or do you just stay where you are in comfortable surroundings? Aaron Jones did it. I know he's not old, but he decided to stay where he's comfortable. So that's a decision that Aaron Rodgers needs to make. But Devontae said he wants top receiver money. We can't give it to him. So if he still stands pat with that, he's gone. Right. And one more question, Steve, before we go. Of course, it's prediction. What do we think is going to happen uh, this Thursday in the game? Will Aaron Rodgers be owning the Cardinals? Eh, probably not. Like, look, and I, I'll try to keep this short. We don't do well when we go out west. It's on a short games week. We don't have a D coordinator. We don't have Devontae Adams. We don't have Alan Lazard. Uh, our defense was banged up anyway. We should not win this game. However, they rode us off against the Seahawks in that NFC Championship game. We know what happened there. However, at the start, I don't think he's put a point on the board up till halftime. The Packers are well able because remember, we're only missing Devontae Adams, and that's a very large sense to say. Uh, but again, we've all the other tools there on offense, and we can score a will when we want it. Um, will we win the bookies? If you're betting on it, do not bet on the Packers. But I've got a big my face is just there. <laughs> so, and it says Packers <laughs> underneath it. So I'm always going to go Packers all day long. So I think the Packers can actually pull this off because we're underdogs. We're going in with reckless abandon. And I think we can break the spirit of the Cardinals if we go up and we can. Uh, but yeah, if you're actually putting down your, you know, your kids' college fund, probably go for the Cardinals. <laughs> perfect listen Steve thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us today really appreciate it before we let you go I know you mentioned it a little earlier on in the show but um, now's the time to uh, plug your podcast right now sure yeah you can search uh, UK Packers UK and Irish Packers or Green Bay Packers on any podcast app and that will come up and also we have a YouTube channel uh, which I usually just put up the raffles and stuff and go to at uh, UK Packers on any social media as well and you'll find uh, some quality Packers content, if I may say so. Excellent stuff. And again, thanks so much. We, It's been brilliant to speak to you. Um, we're, to be honest, we're normally used to speaking to like, you know, American beat writers and stuff like that. It's great <laughs> to talk to an Irish, another Irish person that is as passionate about football um, as, as, Paddy, as Paddy we Packer. are now. Paddy Packer. Paddy. And that's, look, and we won't, we won't hold it against you too much that you are a Packers <laughs> fan. But look, it's been you great speaking to you. six and one, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I see your six and one, and I'll try and match it with my two and five. Yeah, yeah here yeah, you go. Yeah. <laughs> but look, no, it's been great. We hope to uh, have you on again, uh, hopefully later on in the season, if you are willing. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Brilliant. And that's the end of the preview tonight, guys. If you are staying up to watch the game, we hope you enjoy it. Uh, stay tuned to our YouTube channel, uh, Under Center Podcast on YouTube, where you'll find our betting show, where you we'll try and come up with some bets to help you win a bit of money for week eight of the regular season fiona as always thank you thank you and until next time stay safe and we'll see you soon